You're listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. I am speaking on development. Pastor Tony did a great job last week on development. Man, I was just like, he started off, I was like, man, you're dipping in it, man. Get out of my message. He started talking about David, started talking about certain things. I'm like, he's all in my message. And so then this morning, Pastor Jason, we're over here doing our meetup prayer. And so he starts dipping in my message too, but that's okay. We'll go forward. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for your presence in this house, Lord. I just thank you that you help us and you take us step by step, that you are developing each of us on our journey where we are. In our particular journey and our growth, God, you're there. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in the service. Anoint your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So just quickly want to run through our core values. So that's what we're going off of is our core values. The first one was uh, Pastor Jason talked about Jesus is our message. People are our priority. You are our priority. Then last week, Tony did uh, development is our focus. Okay, and so that's where we are today again. Unity is our pursuit, team is our structure, excellence is our standard, and generosity is our privilege. This is why development is our focus. God created you with a purpose, for a purpose, and we believe that if you are breathing air, then you still have something great to do to move the kingdom forward. One of our main roles is to do everything that we can to help you reach your highest potential in Jesus Christ. Even Jesus developed a... Even Jesus was in a development process, and he engaged in developing every person he came in contact with, and we want to do the same. That is is our reasoning for development is our focus. That is the summation of it. You'll find it on the internet. You'll find it everywhere we go. So there's three things, or there's a few things that you should have got from Tony's message last week. It was so good. The first one was there was three, three enemies of development. The first one was potential, isolation, and delusion. Then he said you have to surround your people, surround yourself with people who care about you. You have to create times for development. Then at the end he closed out with the development challenge for you. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you about three realistic expectations in understanding development. Because people say, "Oh yeah, I want to be developed, but let's we're going to put some put this into a realistic viewpoint for you." Because people don't understand what they are or what to expect in development. Some of us actually know a life before social media. How many of y'all know a life before social media? Yeah, most of us in here because the youth ain't up yet. That's why. So here's the deal. Um, I'm I'm so glad that God called me healed before social media was ever around. Because I know the voice of God for myself. Delusionment. Think about that for a minute. I had to scrap and fight through my healing. What many people don't understand is that your development comes from times in life where you must stretch and you must grow. That's where your development is forged. Where you must fight for your sanity. Where you have to fight for your spouse, your children. And sometimes you have to fight for your very life. Development. Do you realize that every day, this is staggering. I had a different number on my notes, and when I went back and I was going over it this morning, I found a more recent number to this, and it blew me away. Every day, there are 3.2 billion photos, 
and 720,000 hours of video that are uploaded to social media every day. Every day. 3.2 billion. That's a lot of photos. Y'all, what are we saying? We have things like Facebook, Instagram, the Snapchat, WhatsApp. You have all these different social platforms and people are uploading. Unfortunately, that's the world that we live in. And with all the types of hashtag, you know, we have all this hashtag YOLO, hashtag be real, hashtag this. What is the number one hashtag you think out there? She said, Jesus, you are so positive. <laughs> the number one hashtag is hashtag selfie. Hashtag selfie. You know what that means? That means that we are the most single narcissistic generation that has ever lived on the face of this earth. Amen. It is all about us. Yeah. It's all about us. It's about how we are obsessed with ourselves. It's about an instant gratification that we need. Because as soon as we put it up there, we want people to like it. We want people to comment on what our hair looks like, what clothes we're wearing, where are we at, what's in the background. I'm just taking a picture of myself with a brand new car in the background. Yeah, okay, we got gotcha. you. So we're living in a world where everything is on social media. It's all about us. So here's, here's how it happens. So I brought my phone up here. We're going to do just some little things. So here is this thing that we can do. I can stand up here and take a picture and take a picture. And then I can go over here and I can post it on Facebook real quick. And I'm just going to post it in our... Um, in our Freedom Family chat, because here's what the deal is. As soon as I post it, everyone who is here and everyone who is not here, whether they are in this area or whether they are throughout the whole United States or if they're over on the other side of the world with, uh, in Rwanda, they're going to see what's happening here instantaneously. That's what's happening, right? It's an instant gratification. Somebody's going to like it. I'm like, ooh, I got noticed. Somebody liked it. Y'all remember these? Y'all remember these? I forgot how to turn this on. <laughs> Here we go. So this is when these came along, they were so cool. Right? We thought these were so cool. This is a little mini one. Right? And so when you pulled it out, what did you do? Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. And we do this and we do this and we do this, right? Sure. So we do this, but you know what? I don't see that image. I don't see it yet. Do y'all see it yet? Why? Because it's going to take a little time to develop. Okay? Now what, uh, here, I'll let you have this. This is for you. It's for you lovers. It's our pastors. It's okay. Hey, Zach, put me a picture up there for me. Y'all know what this is? Why are you laughing, girl? This is called a 35-millimeter roll of film. We had these back in the day. Actually, I could have went back to the little 110s. So this, this, what happened is that we had to put this in the camera we had to feed it over till it caught the little gear, and then you close the back, and then you did a click, crank, crank, click, crank, crank, 
ratcheted up till it got there, right? And so after we had taken all the, the film or taken all the pictures or used up all the film, then we had to take it out and it had to go to what we called the photo mat. Photo Fox. Y'all remember Photo Fox? You'd pull up like in the Walgreens parking lot or you took it into Walgreens and you had to put it in an envelope and write what kind you wanted, how many exposures you wanted, how many copies of this, and then you sent it off to somebody who God knows where they were and hoping you had to wait about a week before you got those pictures back. And so when you got the pictures back, you, before you opened them, you're like, oh, God, please, please let it be what I took. Please don't let it be, you know, a whole roll of my foot or a whole roll of my finger in the middle of it. Or worse yet, and I did this several times, don't let it be double exposed. Y'all ever double exposed a roll of 35? I could preach on that whole exposure thing right there, but we're going to move forward. So, but it had to go through a complete process. That roll of film had to go into a dark room, into a solution before it could actually be used for the purpose it was intended to. So let's move. I'm going to tell you, talk to you about three things today on development is our focus, the realistic expectations of it. The first one is that we have to understand that development is a process. And here's the definition of process. A series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. A particular end. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know that. I love the King James on this one because it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. In your process, there is an end to a season. His thoughts towards you, it has an end. Like, I'm wanting that person to finish right here in this process. It's an end. The 35 millimeter film has to be developed. It can only be developed in a dark room. While in the dark room, it goes through many processes. The process is necessary so the image can be forged onto the negative. You remember those negatives? How many of y'all have a box of uh, pictures and you open up that little plastic uh, or the little paper envelope that your pictures were in and ain't no pictures in it. So the negatives are there. So you take the negative out and you do what to it? You hold it up to the light. If you open the dark room prematurely, if you allow any light into that dark room, then the light would have exposed the negative and the image and the negative would have been destroyed and the original image would never be produced. Now, many of us, because of the world we live in, we think our destiny is a snap and upload process. <laughs> we go to church, we go to conferences, we get that prophetic word from God. We get that prophetic word from the prophet. Well, the prophet called me this, so this is what I am. You call me this because that's what the prophet said I was. Hmm. We think that a word or the prophecy is the picture of who we are. That is not who we are. It should be, if you get a word from somebody, it should already be something that God is telling you. Amen. Shouldn't be, oh, well, I didn't know that. I've never heard that before. Well, okay, let me just go and do this. No. It's for the confirmation. It's for the, it's for the uplifting. It's for the building up of the body. So here's what we do. We take that. 
So we upload it so that everyone can see what God said and what we're going to be next week because we think that's how it happens because we live in this snap and upload world. We live in this instant gratification. You know, sometimes we think we're going to be the next best singer, the next Jen Johnson, or we're going to be the next, I don't know, Joyce Meyer or the next whoever, Benny Hinn. I, told, I said that, Benny Hinn, and someone says, who's Benny Hinn? It's like, well, it might be my age a little bit. The next miracle worker, let's go back even further than that. The next Catherine Kuhlman, or let's go back even for the next Smith Wigglesworth. Y'all know he like punched people and slapped people around? Come here, I'm next Smith Wigglesworth. Oh. People are priority. Okay, thanks, Pastor. Just <laughs> Woo! So here's the thing. We think we're going to be the next whatever, and so we think that we need to be discovered. People just need to discover us because this is what's been spoken over me. They need to discover me. But here's the deal. People don't need to discover you. God doesn't need to discover you. He doesn't need for you to be discovered because God created you. He knows the image that he imprinted on the inside of your soul. Hmm. We don't need to be discovered. We just need to be developed. Here's why we don't allow God to develop us. Number one, the process is too hard. Oh, yes, I want to be developed. I want somebody to mentor me. Well, okay, well, so we start that process. We start going through everything. And then in the part of your development is dealing with some of your inadequacies, is dealing with some of the sin in your life. People are like, oh, no, that's too hard to deal with. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want you, I don't want God to heal that part of my life because I don't want to relive that again. That was too traumatic for me. It hurts too much when I go back there. God wants to develop you. If we are set on man discovering us, we will, by, we will bypass God's development. We will bypass the process. You cannot bypass the process. But here's what we don't understand. If man discovers us, then man can destroy us. If you are waiting for someone to prop you up and to push you forward, then all it's going to take is that one person to turn and walk away. But if God puts you in a place and God pushes you forward, people can walk away. People can open their mouth and God says, look at you still standing because this is what I called you to do. This is what I have anointed you to do. Woo, y'all, let's get with this. So number two part is that development is best done in the dark rooms. What do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked. In the dark rooms, in the dark room of development is where the anointing is forged. What's so important about the anointing? We'll get to that in a minute, but let's talk about forged. The definition of forge is formed by pressing or hammering with or without heat especially made into a desired shape by heat and hammering. Y'all been through some fires of life? You felt like you've been beat up on every side? Maybe you were being forged by God. Well, God wouldn't allow that to happen. All things work together for the good. Y'all know my story? All things work together for the good. 
But even if it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter what you have experienced in life, if you allow God to develop you, there's going to be, you're going to be forged into his image. And in that image is where your anointing will come from. We have a lot of people in churches today who are gifted, but we have very few who are anointed. You know why? Because they don't like being shaped by God because it hurts. They don't like the heated trials and circumstances of their life. God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. You got to trust the process. Y'all remember when that was going around a few years ago? Oh, you're in a process. Trust the process. You tell me to trust a process and I'm looking at the fruit of your life. Isaiah 10, 27. And it shall come to pass that in that day that his burden shall be taken away off of thy shoulders and his yoke off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That is what is so important about the anointing of God is that it breaks the yokes. It breaks the chains. It breaks the bondages. It breaks the cycle of sin in your life. The yokes of chains and bondages in our lives are not broken by gifted people who give us goosebumps because they can hit a certain note or they can hold out a long note. Ooh, they are broken by the anointing that rests on the lives of his chosen. Your level of anointing will be determined by the level of your crushing. It will be, it will be determined by the Lord and how much you let him do in the dark room of your life. We have a generation that doesn't want to be crushed, that doesn't want to be developed. Many of us would, be rather, uh, would rather have gifted people entertain us. There's a lot of churches who want gifted people up here singing or gifted people preaching because they're saying what you want to hear. They're just tickling your ear. If, if it's no anointing, why are you coming to church? If your lives are not being changed, why are you coming to church? If the yokes are not being broken, then why are you coming to church? If you're going to church just to, like Pastor Jason said, just to check off the box, that's what I did on Sunday, why go? You can do that at home. We have to go and sit under anointed teaching. We have to go and be in the presence of the anointing to break the yokes. It only comes from the crushing. We need a generation that's willing to go in the dark room where the crushing happens because that's where the oil comes from. How do you make new wine? You have to put the grapes in a vat and they are crushed. God is looking for those who are willing to be crushed. Those who are willing to be crushed are the ones he can develop and put his anointing on. Not to be uh, discovered by man, but to put his anointing on. These are the ones who will help others break the chains and the bondages of their life. Because we don't come out of the bondage and we don't come out of uh, the chains. We, we don't break the yokes off of our neck just to say, oh, this is where I'm at. This is what God's done in my life. Ha, hallelujah, praise God. We're, we're Christians and we're living a holy life. 
We have to come out and say, God, this is what God has done in my life. Let me help you walk through the process. I've been through the process. I know what you're feeling right now. Come on, let's go. I know your mental state right now. I've dealt with that. Come on, let me tell you. I don't know exactly how you're going to get through it, but I can tell you how I got through it. And you're going to develop your own anointing because you're going to speak to people that none of us can speak to. And you're going to say, let me tell you what God did in my life. The degree to which you are willing to allow God to develop you and do what he needs to do in your life is the degree in which God will use you and do amazing works through you. There is a direct correlation between crushing, development, and the anointing. There is a direct correlation between an ongoing crushing, an ongoing development, and an ongoing anointing. There's a correlation. You can't have the latter without the first. If it's the anointing that breaks the chains and bondages, you and I have the responsibility to allow God to do what he needs to be done inside of us before we ever stand up here. Before we ever lead people. Our job is to connect people to God, not to us. And if we haven't been crushed, developed, and developed, our maturity and pride will make us believe that it's all about us. It's not about us. It's about God. When you look at any of us up here, we don't want you to see ourselves. We want you to see God. We don't want you to see how good we can speak or how countryfied I sound. I don't care. It don't matter. I just who I, I am who I am, right? We want you to see God through it all, through all the mess. God, look what God did. God can do this. God can do that. God can take people from orphanhood and make them sons and daughters. God can make you go through the fire and come out pure. He can do that. So let me lay some groundwork. Now I'm just going to get to the text of, of my message here, okay? First Samuel. T uh, Pastor Tony started talking about David, and I was like, Clinton, don't you, don't you dip into my message. I'm just going to read through this real quickly, and we're going to come back and touch on this. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 through 13. And the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer. <laughs> take a heifer with you and say, I have come to, this, to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to, to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me one whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he, and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely. The Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance, nor his height, nor his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Shammah pass. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Mm. And he said, um, 
And Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. Y'all just hear the, sac- the, the sarcasticness in his voice. There remains yet the youngest. But, you know, he's out taking care of the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes, meaning that we have something that the Lord needs to take care of, and y'all need to, like, snap, snap to it. Let's get it. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was, a, a ready, and ha- he was ready and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 4 through 5. David was 37 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. In Hebron, in Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Judah, he reigned 30 and three years over all of Israel and Judah. So y'all know what that means? It's, it, it, they say that David was about 17 years old when he was anointed. When the prophet Samuel came and said, I need you to bring your sons, the Lord said, this is the one. Samuel poured the oil on him, probably play, prayed for him, blessed him, and said, you shall be king. The Lord has declared you shall be king, 17 years old. He wasn't king until he, he didn't rule over all Israel until he was 37 years old. 37 years old. He was anointed in front of everyone at 17. But although he was anointed, it wasn't, un, in, although he was anointed in 1 Samuel 16, he wasn't appointed until 2 Samuel chapter 5. There was 20 years and 20 chapters between the anointing and the appointment of God. God was developing him to become who he already was. He was being developed into the image that God had placed on the negative of his soul in the dark room with God. We have to allow God to develop us. The development many times involves other people. It will require other people in your life. You will need someone to walk beside you while God is developing you. You will need someone to speak the truth into a situation while you're in the dark room because many times it's hard for us to see clearly in the dark. People think, say, and do crazy things while they're in the dark times of their life. You need someone who loves God. You need someone who loves you. You need someone who knows God. You need someone who knows you, and you need someone who has your best interest at heart to speak the truth to you in love. Like, you're out of your mind. We're going to pray for you right now. Let's pray. You're not thinking right. Yes, I know you're not. Let's get straight. When you are developed by God, God will open doors that no man can shut. Your promotion comes from God alone. So many of us are missing our destiny because we get that word in our snap and upload world and we think that it's supposed to happen tomorrow. Let me ask you a question. What if your development takes 20 years or 30 years? You were anointed in front of the church when you were 17 years old to be the pastor, to pastor, to be the pastor, to be the worship leader. And here you are still singing back up in the choir. Or here you are still cleaning the toilets of the church. I will forever be happy cleaning the toilets of the church. Your development. Your development. God is only going to give you grace to run your race. It wasn't until I was comfortable with who I was. 
that I saw a difference in my teaching. I saw a difference in my preaching until I just said, you know, I just got to do it my way. I just got to be who I am. And when I started doing that, it sounds backwood and I might sound like a hip, but I'm telling you, you guys can hear it. And I'm telling you, the anointing will flow when you are who you are and who God has called you to be. When you become that image that has been imprinted on the negative of your soul, then that's when the chains will break. That's when the bondages will fall off people's lives. Samuel was looking for the next king. He saw the oldest of Jesse's sons, Eliab. He thought Eliab was it. God said, no, man, he's wrong. He's got a wicked heart. Don't look at his appearance. The truth is God always looks from the inside out. He looks at the heart. So that's why we are shocked when God uses certain people. I know people are shocked that God uses me. I've always said, if God can use the foolish things to confound the wise, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. Luke chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in the private rooms shall be proclaimed from the housetops. God has been so gracious and merciful to us. He's been so loving. He says, come into the dark room. I will get that out of you where no one else can see it. You think God's dealing with certain things in your life? Go into that dark room and allow God to deal with it. Because if you don't allow God to deal with those things that are hidden in our heart, then what's going to happen is a natural course of, of consequences afterwards. Because what is done in the dark will be made known in the light. You can either go to God and confess what's happening. God, help me. Straighten me out on this. God, whatever it takes, get me on the right path. Or God can say, you're going to be stubborn. Your pride's going to get in the way. It's not going to work out good for you because when you're put in this certain situation, what's on the inside of you is going to come out. It's going to come out. There is only one purpose that God will put his light in us. And it's so that his light can reflect through us. However, we will not have any of God's light to reflect through us if you've never been in the dark room to be crushed, to be developed, because it's his image that has never been formed on the inside of you. Number three, got to go through this pretty quick. The development requires daily dying. Mm. It's just not a one and done, y'all. It's not a one and done. Realistic expectations of development right here. We must be willing to die daily. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that he dies daily. We should be willing to be developed daily by the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that life and Christianity are just not fair. Die daily. We must die to our pride and our expectations of how we think things should go. Well, it just didn't go like I thought. I saw the video you posted two years ago. We were going into COVID. We were supposed to launch at a church in Dayton. I mean, a school in Dayton. It's not, going like we, it's not going like we planned. It doesn't look like we thought it would look. But look where we are. We are in a place. We were going to be a mobile church. And I was watching that yesterday. I was thinking, oh, my Lord, set up and tear down before, before and after every service. Thank you, Lord, for the building. The Lord had a better plan, Pastor Jay said. Woo! He had a plan. So here's the deal, y'all. It's just not fair. We must die to our pride in the expectations. 
Throughout David's journey from the field to the palace, there was a lot of things that weren't fair. There's a lot of things that are not fair. In those 20 years and those 20 chapters, do you think some things were unfair? There was a lot. Some things, uh, some people will be promoted over you. How do you deal with it is so important. We are too sensitive and get bent out of joint because someone was promoted over us. And so what, we, what do we do? Rather than staying in that place of development, because maybe God is dealing with our pride. Maybe he's dealing with our immaturity of our thought process. But we get all bent out of shape. And so we leave the church. We abort God's development. Maybe God's watching to see how you deal with it. Maybe he's seeing if we're doing it for the right reasons. Because mm, he sees the heart. Do you have a pure motivation? Maybe he's watching to see if you've been developed enough to present his image to a dying world. Y'all, I was at my home church for 20 years before the doors closed. I can tell you there was a lot of things that were unfair. I can tell you I was overlooked even for the things that I knew I was called for. How do you deal with it? Y'all, I never preached not one message. I never preached one sermon from that church. Not one single one in 20 years. How are you developing in that process? Let me close with this. Will you allow God to take you through the process from being anointed to being appointed? The space between these two is where you is where you will allow yourself to be developed into his image, not your image. If you bypass the development process, you very well could abort your calling. So this is what happened to David. He was appointed to be king by the prophet. So he went back out to take care of the sheep because that's what he was doing, 17 years old. He went back out to the smelly things of his life, to the things that people didn't really count any value to. They didn't account him as value. What was he doing out there? He was learning faithfulness. Then he was called in the palace to play his harp for Saul to, to soothe his tormented spirit. Maybe he was called into the palace to learn the protocols of the palace because he didn't know how to be king because he was just a shepherd boy. Maybe you are being processed. Maybe you're in the dark room and you're having to learn some things about your calling because you're not there yet. You've never been there. You don't know anything about it. I want you to see that God is preparing. Is God is preparing you for the thing that he has already prepared for you. God is helping you to become. He's developing you. He's developing you into what you are, but you can't function in it as you are right now you just need some development 20 years and 20 chapters David went through before he walked and stepped into his full calling but here's the deal even after he stepped into it there still was a lot that he had to go through there was a lot of failures that he had to get through because if he hadn't gone through all of that, he would not have been the king. And he would not have become the guy that we know as a man after God's own heart.
Don't abort your process. Don't abort your process. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word, God. Lord, help us to stay steady. Help us to stay the course, Jesus. Help us to stay and let your image be forged inside of us. So on the day that you appoint us, God, we can present your image to the world. I speak your faithfulness over everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.